everyone, and welcome to The Mind Behind It. My name is Huda. And I am Sahil. I am Dr. Beth Westy. I am a chiropractor by training, also certified in acupuncture and Eastern medicine, and I focus on nutrition and supplements for women's health and hormones, balancing hormones, and teach women how to eat for their cycle. So that's what I do and love doing, and I'm super passionate about that. I think a good segue going into this is that because you have had kids, you kind of understood women's health and what a big part hormones have to play, especially in nutrition and weight loss, because I believe a lot of women struggle with that, which I had no idea about that hormones could play that big a role. And in men, we don't even think about it. Yeah. And we get women are told that, you know, uh, after birth, you have to exercise maybe a few months after or something. And with a cesarean, that's even harder because you can't, there's a lot of things you, you can't even drive after you've yeah. had a cesarean for months. Going on that, like what was your first experience which kind of attracted you to this subject? Because yeah. you were a practicing chiropractor, you were doing, you know, you were doing mm-hmm. professionally really well, but suddenly this area of research comes up. Yeah. So I actually got into this because I had ovarian cysts after my youngest was born. So after that whole horrific experience, right? So this all kind of leads right into why my system had so many problems. I had a very traumatic birth. She was a preemie. I was working in a business at this point. You know, I had three kids, you know, a preemie, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and just run, working 60 hours a week. And I started getting ovarian cysts. So and what I is an ovarian cyst for all the yes. men out there who have, who have heard yeah. about it, but don't question what it is? Yeah. So a cyst is when every month when you release an egg and you ovulate, it's like there's like a blister that kind of forms on the ovary and the egg is supposed to release from that blister. And then the blister is supposed to kind of get reabsorbed and like heal and be fine. If the blister doesn't release an egg or if it gets to be too big and doesn't dissolve and go down, it can be the size of a marble. It can be the size of a golf ball. It can be the size of a grapefruit. Yes like a pocket of fluid sitting on your ovary that creates a lot of scar tissue, damage, hormonal disruption, pain, all of those things. And so I would have cysts that burst. Like they Uh. would, I would get a cyst and then it would burst. And this whole rush of fluid gets released in your abdomen. And it's really painful. Like it would drop me to my knees. So, okay. You said that that is basically at the start of a period, correct? Um, When you ovulate, which is about two weeks before your period would typically start. So after you've ovulated and then you get your period, Mm -hmm. where does it all go first? Is that when it kind of comes down for a release? Is that when that's when you get your period? Is that how it works? The cyst and everything that would form, that's in your abdominal cavity. It doesn't actually enter into the uterus, but it can create other things like heavy cycles, lots of clots, lots of pain, things like that. Okay. Because of the hormonal disruption, but the cyst and why it's so painful, just like endometriosis or other things like that, it can be really painful because it's not actually inside the uterus, which then gets shed. You know, when you have your period, it's shed and like flushed out. This is like outside of it and it's in your abdominal cavity. So people who have had like appendicitis, when that internal inside your abdomen, when it gets swollen and pissed off, it freaking hurts. That's it the does. same thing yeah. internally, but you don't get to like flush it out, if that makes sense. 
Okay, so you had those and you're saying that they would just burst? Burst and they would drop me to my knees. And this only happened. I didn't have them before I had kids. Only after, you know, traumatic birth things, lots of stress, all that stuff. And I had them and I tried to take care of them on my own. I did a lot of supplements. I was eating super clean and all this stuff and nothing was making them go away. And finally, after a year and a half, it was a year and a half. I had them every month for a year and a half. Oh God! And my husband was like, what is wrong with you? Go to the doctor. I was like, no, I'm going to figure it out. <clears throat> oh, I hate that. Oh, because she does the same. Koda does the same. She's like, I'm going to deal with it myself. I'm like, yeah. It's fuck. because there's nonstop issues all the time and your body's always going through stuff. And you're like, it's just another thing. It'll pass. <laughs> I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Whatever. <laughs> My arm didn't fall off. I can keep going. <laughs> You're not bleeding okay. out, are you? So yeah. what? Yeah. So so I went into the ER. He he literally, I couldn't get off the floor. He put me in the car and brought me to the ER and was like, "You're like, you need to figure this out. So the ER doc that I saw was just some old dude who was like, well, it's a cyst. And I was like, mm-hmm, I know. What I want to know is why I keep having them. I didn't have them before and everything else. And he was like, well, you need Vicodin and birth control forever. Forever? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, okay, one, I I can't be doped up on Vicodin all day. That's no, no, thank you. And two, I get other side effects from birth control. So I was like, I just, I don't want to be on birth control forever to try and stop this. What I want to know is why this is happening. And he's just like, you have a buildup of hormone. That's what's happening. Birth control is the only thing that's going to fix it. Yeah. You can't ever get rid of this because you have PCOS. It's like, I am Which, going yeah. to give you a Band-Aid forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what that is. PCOS is that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So doctors give... And there's, there's different types of um, PCOS. There's like four different types. So sometimes people get cysts that burst. Sometimes they get um, one cyst. Sometimes they get a lot of little ones that don't go away, none of the types are fun. Yes. They all create different types of issues. But there are different types, which is why sometimes when I talk about my story, people are like, oh, I don't have that. I must not have that then. It's like, you can have PCOS, but have a different type. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. so pardon my ignorance, but what is PCOS? What she said, it's, isn't it? The cyst? Yeah, it's, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And right. Is it quite common? It is more common than people think. And a lot of times gals will suffer and just think, oh, I just have a really terrible period or, or I just, you know, this is just really awful. And it takes them years to even go in. And a lot of times too, doctors won't even do the correct diagnostic workup to even look for it. They'll just say, oh yeah, just be, go on birth control. It'll be fine. So then what made you go, nah, I'm going to do something. So you've decided, nah, not good enough. I need to... You're not going to drug up on Vicotin for the rest of your life. I just can't yeah. believe that that's yeah. the solution to this. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, and then you know, I get, was like, he was like, well, if you're not going to take this, then I can't help you. And I was like, well, this isn't a solution. No. Like just to be on more drugs all the time is not a solution in my opinion. I want to know why this is happening. I want to know what I can do to get my body to function better because I didn't have this before. So what's going on that I can't figure this out? And I left that ER just livid. And I started researching online and I just dove into a ton of research and dove into um, some of my Eastern medicine background and realized that a lot of how the female body is perceived is based off of research that is done on the male body. 
Yep, I've heard that before. I had yeah. no idea. Yep. So like when they, um, it wasn't, and this is in the US, like in the United States, they weren't allowed to even test pharmaceuticals on women until 1993. Yeah, this is any pharmaceutical drug, any study, any anything. They did not test it on women at all. They used men that were 140 pounds and called that equivalent to a female body. So think about birth controls. When they were developed, who they were created for. Yeah. Test any of it on women. I don't actually understand though. Like, so what, is it because they thought it's the same thing or like, is it because they were, was it a sexism thing? Is that, is that what it was? They just didn't include women in the studies because our hormones shift and change throughout the month. So to gather information, to gather enough data, you have to have hormone levels that are consistent pattern. Yeah. And women have different hormone levels throughout the month. So it takes three times as long to get the data versus doing it on a male body because you can get the same information faster because their bodies don't change throughout the month. But the whole fucking point is that we need to work out how it's going to work during those changes. So the female body, it responds differently. Hormones respond differently. Cortisol stress responds differently. And it's, it's not really studied that much. Only very recently did they even start studying how heart attacks, heart disease, it develops completely differently in the female body than it does in the male body. You know, the, like the classic from TV shows and movies and stuff, when the character has a heart attack, they oh, clutch their chest and they're grabbing their left arm and all that. Yeah, stuff. That yeah. is a classic male symptom for a heart attack. And the reason women miss heart attacks so often is because they don't realize they're having a heart attack because their number one symptoms are neck pain, jaw pain, headache. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had no idea yeah. the whole time I'm, I'm thinking I've got to look out for my arm and chest. Yeah. Very, very small percentage of women have that classic male presentation of a heart attack. So they're trying, like, it's just starting about now that they're trying to do more education on female heart attacks because they present differently in the female body. And it's because the artery buildup the plaque buildup in the arteries is different in the male and female body. Like in the male body, it builds up in one area. You've seen that, right? Like where the artery builds up and it like pinches down. You know, like if you were to pinch a straw yeah, in yeah, one yeah. place, that's what happens in the male body. The female body, the plaque will coat the whole artery. So it's created differently. Therefore, the symptoms are different. And that's why nobody talks about it and nobody understands. this. But this is across the board. So female hormones are so important for our overall health and recognizing our bodies function differently. They respond to treatments differently. Symptoms are different. You know what I mean? So then what happened? So you've, how have you managed it then? Oh, yes. So I went in and did a bunch of research, became super angry at how things were set up. And this is why I was so frustrated. And so I started looking at the female body and hormones. I was like, okay, if my hormones are off, I need to regulate them. So I went through, I did a hormone detox. And then I started using um, Eastern medicine, like tones of foods for hormones and eating that way to help regulate my cycle and everything else. So this follows your basal body temperature. That's sometimes an easy way to think of it. Your basal body temperature is lower in days one through 14 of your cycle and then higher in days 15 through 28. So that matches where estrogen and progesterone would be. And so you just have to eat more cooling foods when your temperature is lower and warming foods when your temperature is higher. And that helps 
regulate your, your hormones, regulate your cycle, um, help your system flush out excess hormone on a regular basis too. Wow. So, so a, a, okay. a warm food is just a potato, but a cool food is a jacket <laughs> potato. So, <laughs> so the warming and the cooling... Um, and again, this comes from like, uh, Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, they mm-hmm. like, you can Google warming foods or cooling foods like chicken, turkey, fish. Those are cooling proteins, raw mm-hmm. fruits or vegetables, um, mint, rosemary, thyme. Those are, you know, very cooling spices as well. Warming foods would be like beef, bacon, um, cooking your fruits and vegetables, uh, ginger, cinnamon, right? Any type of pepper or spice, adding that on, that's a warming component. So a lot of the times, you know, when I'm ovulating, I get really hungry. I want everything, like as in all the really bad foods for me. Is that what this is then? Because it's like your body, because a lot of the time your body knows what it wants. It's -hmm. just, you don't really know what you want. (laughs) But your body does, like your body knows what it needs at the time. So it will crave it, correct? Mm-hmm. Is that a yeah, thing? your body's giving you signals. And when you're when you ovulate and after, the female body actually needs more nutrient at that time than it does earlier. It needs more protein, it needs more fats, it needs more calorie, it needs anywhere from 300 to 500 more calorie a day. It needs more minerals. That's why you have cravings. And that's why you crave oftentimes sweet or salty foods. One, you're looking for an energy boost because you're depleted then from what you normally eat. And two, the salt is mineral. And that's what your body also gets depleted in quicker too because of progesterone. So it's not really you wanting like all the foods in the world. It's just those basic nutrients. You just need it in but Much you find it in you find amounts. it in yeah you find it in like crappy food all the time like bigger amounts yeah. of it yeah mm-hmm. that makes yeah so but much the sense. Ba- burgers are not getting you any minerals are they right? there's salts and stuff in it it's yeah like so salty. essentially yeah you're looking for like salt salty food that can just mm-hmm. yeah. regulate the amount of minerals that have been yeah because I yeah I think and also like if you think about it it's for me it's one of those things where like I'll, I'll also get, there's a part, when I'm on my period, I'm not hungry. Like mm-hmm. I lose my appetite. Is that, like, is that something that's quite normal as well? It can be. Yeah. Because again, the hormones shift then. Yeah. And okay. Actually, when you start your period, that is the time of the month where your hormone levels are the lowest. Estrogen and progesterone. You are more like a male body for the first three days of your cycle than any other time of the month. That is so crazy and interesting. You know Mm -hmm. what's really weird about this? So this is going back to a conversation we had with a woman who does voice technology. And yeah, and she she was telling us, I don't know if you remember this, Sahil, but she was telling us that our voices can give away a lot. And she said that she did tests to find out whether or not male's attractiveness just based on voice could differ during a woman's hormonal cycle. So all these women on different times of the year of their, you know, hormonal lifespan or whatever it might be, some were on their periods, some were not on their periods. They had a mm-hmm. voice recording where they recorded the the woman would record her voice just speaking normally. And they asked the man to point out when he was attracted to a woman and it was just any, he was, you know, they were like, okay, when you hear this woman's voice, tell me if you're attracted to her. 
And a, like pretty much nine times out of 10, it would be a woman on a period. Which is interesting that you say that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Because you just said that for at least for the first three days, the woman is most mm-hmm. like a man in that time. That's fascinating. And I do know that like the hormonal change that women have throughout the month, I mean, you go through like four different bodies throughout the month. And those like your hormones, estrogen and progesterone, they go everywhere in the body. They pass through the blood brain barrier. They impact every single system in your body. So it's not just isolated to your ovaries or your uterus or anything. It like impacts everything. You can like for athletes, they notice that during their estrogen phase, Usually it's starting on about day five up to about day 14 or 15. They will have more endurance, more energy, better recovery. They can lift heavier, like do like a, do a max rep on a, any type of lifting and their body comes back around faster. Yeah, because you go of the testosterone. day 20, 22, something like that of the cycle. That's the high hormone period for women. It's where the progesterone levels are the highest usually throughout the month. And you can feel like garbage. Like, like if you went for a run on day 10 and you're like, I'm going to run a 5k, here I go. Yeah, I'm doing awesome. I'm making great time. I had great recovery. I wasn't sore at all. Oh, I'm getting so fit. Oh, this is great. And then you go around for a run on day 20, 10 days later. And after five minutes, that's like, my legs are cement. You know, like I'm dragging around tree trunks. What the hell? Oh, I thought I was getting so fit. And then you get sore. Yes. And you're like, this is awful. What the hell? I'm there with you. So I'm, I'm not, I'm just trying to get back into my fitness. You know, we've only just come out of lockdown and, yeah. you know, it's been quite hard for me, but I do find some days I'm just, I'm good. And I'm like, yeah. basically like, fuck yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm so proud of myself. Like, you know, and then uh, like a couple of days later when I've been pretty, what I think consistent, but I've gone the other way and I'm like, why am I so weak and feeble? (laughs) You're like, what the hell is wrong with me today? You took a different body for a run that day. Oh my God. I feel like I'm always on day 20 (laughs) when I'm running. (laughs) I mean, it could just be running, but it's just running at that point. You know, like I, uh, you know, like I'm an athlete. I grew up playing sports. I played volleyball in college. I played football, like full tackle football, women's football. Uh, yeah, know, so as an adult, it's not a lot of people know, but you actually were on scholarship for volleyball. Yes. For volleyball, like yeah, hardcore like athlete, and so is my husband. So, in terms of training with him, like whenever we've gone for a run together, there are some times where he's like, "Dang, like you are kicking my butt today." And I'm like, "Hell yeah, I am!" Ah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then there's other times where he's like, "What's wrong with you? Are you sick?" And I'm like, "No, yes. I'm on day twenty. Shut it." <laughs> I'm just going to use that every time now. I feel weak. I'm like, I'm on, I must be on day 20. It's like day 20 lasts every day of the year for me. <laughs> like you're always on day 20. Yeah. But it can be really frustrating if you don't understand. And again, for like any, like, like for my husband, like for us to do activities together or to have a male trainer, if they don't understand that you're, you have four bodies throughout the month. And this is probably why a lot of the time men, men do think women can be crazy. It's like, you know, being with someone who's got like a split personality disorder. <laughs> yeah. Like, why do you want to do this right now? Or how you had a ton of energy last week. Why don't you have energy this week? What's wrong with you? Well, nothing. You just, 
your hormonal cycle is different and you just don't have that yeah. level anymore. You'll have some, but it's not, it's just not the same. It'll come around again. Wait another month, you know? Yeah. I feel like Sahil's pretty, he's kept on his toes a fair bit by me as well. Like he'll be like, oh, you're really, you're really bubbly today. You're really like into it. You're really energetic. And then uh, he'll see me like two days later and I'm deadpan. <laughs> he's like, what the hell is this person? Yeah, it's it's very confusing. But something really interesting is that somehow Eastern medicine was able to help you gauge that. What is it about Eastern medicine that kind of, you know, has explored this area more than Western medicine? And why is that? So things that I love about Eastern medicine, again, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, everything else, they actually start with human physiology first. This is how the human body works. This is how it should optimally work. Let's try and do all the things to restore that optimal function along the way. Not, oh, you don't feel good. Let's throw something at you to try and cover up not feeling good. And also the one that's been tested on a male anyway. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's the thing that, I mean, thousands of years, you know, for the thousands of years, females have always been 50% of the population, right? Any type of hormonal issue or whatever, that's what they had to work with. How can we work with human physiology to get your body functioning better? And that's what they would do. Mm. So what I talk about is not new stuff. It's new information for a lot of people because we're not told this stuff, right? What we learn about female bodies is, you know, it's like a punchline in a joke that's on a movie or a commercial or something. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not helpful information. <laughs> yeah, no, it isn't. And food, you said, wasn't the only one. What, you also said sleep cycles. So in terms of that, like, are you talking about when we're more depleted, obviously we have more sleep or is that what you mean? Or is it a time of the day thing or? Yeah. So your recovery time is different, like recovering from workouts, recovering from a stressful day. And then how much your body needs to sleep to really repair. And again, your hormones can impact your overall sleep and how deep of a sleep you get. For some people, when they are in like, like right before their period starts, they can have bouts of insomnia. Yeah. They can have their sleep really disrupted because yeah. of the impact of progesterone on the brain. And, it, and it's harder for your brain to wind down and for your brain waves to change to get into that deep sleep. Estrogen you know, is in charge of like building up the uterine lining and it brings more energy in, repairs cells faster, gives you more energy. It burns carbs better, things like that. Progesterone means progestation. So it's slowing things down in your system to prepare it for a viable pregnancy every month. It's going to slow down your digestive system to absorb all the nutrients from everything that you're eating, just in case there's a fertilized egg there <laughs> to, you know, power pack it with more nutrients. Wow. It's going to slow down your muscle recovery because that's not where the priority is. If there's a viable, you know, fertilized egg, it wants more energy to go there. So then with birth control, how does that, yeah, how does that then work with birth control? Because our bodies are doing this automatically and they're all just like, yep, yeah, you know what? We're, we're ready for this. You, you go hit us, girl. What <laughs> happens with the birth control aspect of things then. And this is why it's yeah. probably, because I don't think birth control is not the best for you. Depending on what you're using it for and why it's recommended for somebody. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes there's a lot of things you can do naturally to help your system regulate or get your hormone levels improved without having to be on a birth control. Essentially what it does is it makes the ovaries go dormant. Like it makes them hibernate. Okay. That's a typical format for a lot of birth controls. Okay. It makes them hibernate. 
Now, there are some like uh, non-hormonal IUDs and things like that that prevent any implantation or something like that. Okay, sure. But in general, a lot of them that are formulated out there, they want your ovaries to go into hibernation so they don't release any eggs at all, therefore dropping all of your hormone levels too. Oh, so that's why it regulates women. Regulates. And then if you're on like a pill pack, you have three weeks of a pill and then a week of placebo pills or sugar pills. Yeah, the sugar pill, yeah. Yep, and that is, so you get a withdrawal bleed. It's not an actual period. So it's all withdrawal bleed? So yeah, they call it a withdrawal bleed because you're not actually having a period. You didn't ovulate or anything else. You have this steady influx of external estrogen that builds up that uterine lining. Then all of a sudden you stop taking it and you'll have a withdrawal bleed. Is it just to drain it out? Essentially. There are some people who just don't take the sugar pills and they go on to their next pill pack. What's and they, Oh, so they're constantly, they're never giving it a break. Yeah. Is that can't be a good thing though, can it? No. Yeah. No, it's not a good thing for the female body to have that kind of buildup happen. I mean, the the having a period in and of itself is very detoxifying for the system. It resets things, it flushes things out, and it allows your hormones to go through. The benefit of the female body is that it goes through this hormonal cycle. There's a lot of great things about it. And without allowing your system to do that, it can be harder on your system. So what are the great things? Can you just let us know so that we can feel you know, pretty good about ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, honestly, the great things are that you get to detoxify differently every month. The female body does that. It does have different times where you can have more energy, more power. Progesterone, the progesterone phase, because it sometimes sounds like progesterone is terrible. Yeah. But that's where you have a higher body temperature, right? Your, your basal body temperature is at least a degree higher or more. So if you're looking at like trying to get into fat burning or more like that, you can actually tap into that higher basal body temperature to try and achieve a little easier fat burning for the female body. Because the female body also burns fat differently than the male body. You know, going back just to the pill, you said that, you know, a lot of the time, so so the sugar pills are the ones where it's, a, you know, it, it does the withdrawal part of it. With the ones that, with the eggs, I guess, that didn't ovulate, mm-hmm. do they stay there then inside you? I mean, how does that work then? Yeah. Like if, if, for example, hypothetically, say I'm taking the pill and I'm skipping my period like months in a row. And then I, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, go on the sugar pill. Does that mean my eggs are still with me or what's happening to them? Because I mean, I just wonder because I'm like, there are so many young people or young girls that are on their, like they're on the pill for God knows how many years. And I wonder if that would then later affect their pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really, really hard on your system. So when you're on a pill that causes your ovaries to go dormant, you never actually release an egg then. So does that stay in your body? It stays It stays in there. So a full hormonal cycle is actually 12 weeks. It takes 12 weeks for an ovary to actually create an egg and get it ready to be released. 12 weeks. So wow. that's a full hormonal cycle. Yeah, That's yeah. why they say when you start on the pill and things like that, it takes three months and to use a backup method or things like that because you're going to still potentially be kicking out an egg yeah. until a full three months later. So, uh, But when it goes dormant, all those eggs internally in the ovary just sit there. Yeah, okay. They don't, 
they don't do anything. They got they got no party to go to. Yeah. So they hang out. <laughs> so so with the withdrawal one They're in isolation. They're in <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> We're in isolation. That's the pandemic joke. So also obviously with with the withdrawal like period, so the, a period. Or yeah. So the withdrawal it. bleed is literally because the pill will have estrogen in it, which causes a buildup of uterine lining. And that so all the withdrawal out. bleed that you have is just from the uterine lining getting removed. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with an ovary or the egg. And the egg's still it. in your body. The egg is still hanging out, chilling. Mm-hmm. Still in isolation, not allowed. <laughs> that egg then can get used later. Like is that yeah. is that sto- is that storage? <laughs> yeah, that- I mean it can. Yeah, it can. But I mean, you only release so many eggs in your lifetime. You know what I mean? If you start your period at age twelve and then you go through menopause at fifty-five, you know, or something, it's there's only so many months. It's, it only happens. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I think with evolution, the idea of optimal hormone levels or the optimal level of where the body should be working has changed because obviously initially. Your a woman's body is very precious about the eggs it releases. So it's like, we're going to save this one. But obviously now we don't need to do that because we have 1 billion people in India. So we don't need more. So what is considered an optimal level for a woman's body? Like what are, what are the levels of progesterone and estrogen that should be there in a woman's body throughout those 12 weeks? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, this is a really good question. So ideally, you know, you want to have enough estrogen at certain points, but then you want your estrogen to come down so that progesterone can be higher. So where it gets to be off and where levels become not optimal is where somebody's like, say, estrogen dominant. And that would just mean that their estrogen levels either rise too much or they don't come down so that, so the body cannot ovulate. That's going to impact your fertility, regular cycle modes, all that stuff, other symptoms, things like that. It's very common. And I do hormone testing. I do, it's a dried urine test to like test hormones and how your body's processing them and everything to see, okay, where are your levels at? Are they too high here or here? Or what do we need to bring up or down? And how do we do that? Because it matters. I'm just very intrigued because I'm, I'm thinking about like, recreational drugs for some reason it just came to my head okay because i feel like a lot of these drugs you know affect your serotonin levels do they interact with estrogen and progesterone levels as well like drugs would affect women so differently as it would a man depending on what time of the cycle they're on yep absolutely yep different drugs and and sometimes gals don't even realize this but you may be you may find that you're more sensitive to even like a drink like a glass of wine or something at different times of the month. You might find that you're just, you know, because you're, again, your internal chemistry then is different. And yeah. and do they affect, and this is just a really stupid question, but I guess the definition of, you know, mood swings, which we talk, uh-huh. dudes love talking about, oh, she's having a time of the month. Is it important for the mood to actually, like, does it affect it a lot? about how you feel throughout the month. It can. And how are men supposed to have that conversation with women? Because a lot of men don't understand it and they're like, oh, we'll just leave her out of it. (laughs) We'll not talk to her during that time because she's a bit (laughs) cray-cray. So there's a a few different factors that impact mood. Um, So when you're looking at, when we talked about progesterone and how it needs more nutrients and things like that, your body literally needs 
different things, more nutrient, more mineral, all that stuff. If you're not getting it, your system's going to be depleted. And we all know that when we get hangry, right, you're going to be pissy anyway. So it's like the same thing, you know, so that's going to impact it as well. Um, But also I will see it on hormone tests and it, and I can see like different pathways of how estrogen is processed. And there'll be things that I'll bring up. I'll be like, okay, so I can tell that your mood swings are really severe and they are fast. Like it's like a light switch that gets, and they're just pissed. Um, like, have you seen, um, the movie inside out that cartoon? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The yep. kids' movie. You know what I mean? And they have no, that like the angry guy, and his head gets on fire. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly the one you're talking about. It's actually a yeah. really good movie. Yeah, and there are certain estrogen pathways where I can see, and I'm like, okay, you have this kind of mood swing. It's like you're totally fine, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I'm not fine. Like, yeah, your head's on fire. Yeah, and then afterwards you're like, I'm totally fine. Hey, but I'm again. Okay. Yeah, what's <laughs> the? That's a hormone swing, or. There's other mood dispositions that can change throughout the month, like for a whole two weeks, a whole two weeks, they just don't feel like themselves. And I had it, I, there was a gal who actually described it to me. She was like, I was like, yeah, you can just kind of feel meh. Yes. Left. She's like, yeah, I feel like a sunshine person half of the month. And then the other half of the month, I feel overcast. Yes. A hundred percent. That is me to the T. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's not, there's not, it's not you, like your personality. It's how your hormones are being processed. That's causing that mood shift where it's just like, it's just overcast for two weeks until something changes hormonally. And you're like, oh, here we go. Sunshine. How does mental health disorders like depression? Yeah. Like it can actually, I guess, cause depression. uh, That overcast feeling. It can make your depression worse. Absolutely. Hormonal things like that. But then that doesn't mean, because for a lot of people, like if men have that, okay, dude, you have depression, you need to do something about it. But for women, it's just their hormone regulation that could affect it. That's so they might be going to a, a psychologist time. and going, oh, I'm feeling depressed during half time of the month. Well, and if it's a man psychologist, he'd be like, okay, you need to do these, these things. But it might just be. So then it might be even more important for female psychologists that are. Yeah training in this field to do this research as well, really. How do you mean, how do you do your hormone tests though? It's called Dutch test. So you get this whole kit in the mail and then you get these strips that you pee on. Yeah. And you pop them in the mail and they go to the lab. They don't, don't go to me. They go to the lab. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. And then <laughs> the lab um, analyzes it and then they just send me your results and we go over it. So I don't, okay. Yeah. I don't have a thyroid. Initially, they thought that I had an underactive thyroid, but then they looked at the results like 30 years later and they're like, hang on a minute. Nah, hold the phone. She doesn't even have a thyroid. (laughs) So I take thyroxine, yeah, Yeah. which is interesting because the guy that I was, so my doctor, he told me that there will be certain times where your lifestyle is far more, your doing more basically like you're busier like you know whatever your work times you got a lot on you're hanging out more whatever whenever you're doing that you'll be depleted which means you'll have to increase your uptake to balance yourself out a bit and now I'm wondering if (laughs) when my hormones all over the joint would that then require a bit more of a thyroxine hit 
So it, thyroid stuff is really tricky when you're looking at how it interacts with the hormones because thyroid, again, takes the full three months. Any hormonal shift in the human body takes a full three months to like fully integrate to have that, to have the full uptake and interaction. Mm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I didn't know thyroids did that for men as well. Yeah. So, okay. Let's explain what a thyroid is first then, shall we? (laughs) Yeah. So your thyroid gland is like at the front of your neck, at the base of your neck. And it is the primary thing that's in charge of your metabolism. It's also in charge of regulating your body temperature and things like that, energy levels. It contributes to a lot of other things, Um, some digestive stuff, skin stuff, you know, sleep stuff. It plays a little hand in everything, but its primary things are metabolism and body temperature regulation. It's a big role for a thyroid. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really big role. And when it's dysfunctional, it can impact how well your other hormones are related. So your entire endocrine system, all of your hormones are supposed to play nice with each other. But when one of them is not working correctly, it will negatively impact the other ones too. Right. Okay. That's very fascinating. And so for people that have overactive, that means that it's on overdrive essentially. Mm -hmm. And then for the ones that are underactive, it's obviously that it's slower. With the thyroid, you said that it it does, and that's considered an autoimmune disease, but there are multiple autoimmune diseases and most people have those, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a huge topic. topic Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you say it affects the metabolism in the sense that it can increase or decrease the metabolism throughout the cycle, and mm-hmm. for a normal person, it regulates it in a better way? So when you have a normally functioning thyroid and you're looking at your metabolism throughout the month, your metabolism and how your body's ability is likely to burn fat is different estrogen versus progesterone. Okay. And there are different tactics that you can work in to try and tap into more fat burning at different points. And it's just different. And again, the female body is not designed to burn fat all day. And that's one of the things that I get really frustrated about with like marketing and, oh, there's this supplement and it's fat burning and blah, 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 and burn fat for hours. And it's like the female body literally doesn't do that. It's, it can't, like the male body can. Yeah, testosterone. Yeah, they can do a workout, get to fat burning during a workout and be in fat burning for like 20 hours afterward. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. How? Yeah. How? I need to know. <laughs> He's like, do, do fat burners work? Do they work? They can provide an increase of things. Usually what you find is a fat burner. It's got caffeine or other uppers or warming yeah. things like that because they're trying to increase your thermogenic warming. properties yeah. of your body. In terms of metabolism and how we digest food. So this, the hormone test, does it also look at interactions between different hormones? As well, it look, the test that I do it looks at estrogens, progesterones, androgens, which is your like endosterone, testosterone, as well as cortisols and your adrenal function, and it does nutrients like uh, B vitamins, glutathione, and neurotransmitters like dopamine, norepinephrine, oxidative stress, melatonin, stuff like that. Okay, it's a, cool. It's an extensive test. Yeah. So really quickly, like going back to the weight loss situation. It is a situation. (laughs) (laughs) When we're talking about, you said that there is a certain times women can 
be optimally losing weight. Every other time mm-hmm. it doesn't do that, correct? Yep. So can you explain that a little bit further in terms of when, I guess, overall, generally the best times are? Yeah. So it's it's different at different times. So the yeah. estrogen phase, when you're like after your period starts and then right before you ovulate... So that is where your system is going to be more active. You can build muscle quicker and easier So and, and everything else. So if you're looking to, I want to get stronger, I want to get leaner and use muscle tissue to help burn calorie because muscle is hungry. Muscle uses more. So that's the time to really work on muscle building and everything else. And you'll utilize a lot of energy that way by input and output. Yep. That's okay. estrogen. You're in the progesterone phase. Your body doesn't function the same. It's not focused. I mean, you can build muscle. It's just not the same. It's not the same rate. It'll be slower. Yes. So it would be more of let's maintain the muscle here and use the thermogenic properties to try and tap into fat burning a little bit more. Again, we get maybe an hour to three hours max a day. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Fat burning focus, which is. It sounds like a the shit end of the deal, but it's again our body fat percentage is supposed to be higher than the male body fat percentage. Yeah, it sounds like it's shit, but once you understand yeah. it, it's it's like it can actually work out really well in terms of like you can utilize your time better as well. Exactly, and that's what I love educating on is just teaching this to be like, don't force yourself to go to the gym and like do these grueling workouts and oh, I'm going to go to CrossFit and I got to you know kick my ass every day. And oh, it's like, your body's not going to benefit from that better. Yeah. Work, work with your system. So you can actually be a lot smarter about how to yeah. function with your body in terms of weight loss, which, which yeah. is what your podcast is about, which is a lot what you do with people is you can guide yeah. them in figuring out, okay, so you do want to get healthier. You do want to get fitter. But a lot of time we're just working against the grain which we don't even realize. And that is actually making it harder for us to achieve our goals. Yeah, yeah. And that's the biggest thing that I think women get frustrated with is you're expecting your system to respond like that all the time to the same thing, but you live in a different body. So of course it's going to be different. Of course, you're going to have to use different tactics and it's not a bad thing. It's like realizing, oh, I need different things at these different times. I'll utilize different tools and work better with my system and I'll feel better. And then you stop feeling guilty. Like stop feeling guilty that you didn't run five miles at the gym or whatever, because who cares if it's not the right time for you to do that, you know? Mm, That is so true. And I think a lot of the time women, this is including myself, like I get really frustrated because I'm like, I'm not doing as well as I thought I was. And and, it, yeah. and when you start having those thoughts, you kind of give up quicker too. Like, you know, some people might be like, well, what's the point? Yeah, which is, it's, and it's, it is hard because like, it's already hard getting back into it for m- myself that yeah. every single time I go, it's a push. And then when I have one or two bad days in a row, I'm just like, you know, I feel like I haven't come anywhere when really it's because my body's not at the right time for me to be doing yeah. it. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, we blame ourselves so much for not doing the right thing when really like men can sneeze and fart and drop five pounds. Yeah, it's so true. Okay, okay. <laughs> he wishes. He's like, I wish all it was right. that simple. All right, all right. Just, just saying for all the guys out there. But we have, the fucked up part is we have no excuse. So guys, if you're listening, fucking hell, we have Get no excuse. Together. We have to, 
if you're feeling guilty about not running, you better fucking feel guilty because <laughs> there's no other reason. You're just a piece of shit. Just get out, fatty. <laughs> so I was very supportive, obviously. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess in that sense, you know. Um. So I had another sort of, I guess, question regarding fasting. Then, so like okay. I know a lot of people and a lot of a lot of women actually who intermittent fast, for example. Now, fasting, is that something we need to kind of consider when the right time is? Absolutely. There are times where if this is like right when you're ovulating, is this a good time to fast? No, because it can screw up your ovulation. If it's a time when your body needs more nutrient and your body's not primed and ready for it, yes, it can screw it up. And then I actually teach women how to fast, but it's not not eating food because if the female body doesn't have food, like if your digestive system doesn't have anything to break down, if your digestive system stops, your metabolism will stop. Wow. That's such a, it's such a misconception that if we like yeah. fast, we're going to lose weight. Is it the same for dudes? It is different on the male body because of the impact of testosterone. Yeah. So the male body cannot have food and it will function differently than the female body. Yeah, because That's I feel true. like a lot sharper yeah. when I am fasting. Because yeah. my body feels like it needs to be more active now and be more aware because it's not getting the food that it needs. <laughs> so it's like sharp. It's like looking out. <laughs> it's hunting for food. Yeah, it's it's just like more aware. And as soon as <laughs> I into that primal sense. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. As soon as I hit a, eat a bowl of pasta, it's like, oh fuck. Why'd I do that? I just feel like a piece of shit. Just want to sleep. But sorry, sorry about making it about, about men. Okay, so when's a good time then to, I guess, and I mean quotation marks fast, and, and how do you suggest generally, like, obviously you go into it in a lot more depth, I assume, like this sort of stuff. Yeah, do her program. In, what- yeah, like <laughs> with your program, and you obviously discuss these things over the fe- the Female Health Solution podcast as well. But I guess I just, you know, for our listeners, what do you suggest is the best time, I guess, if you're going to fast and, you know how to fast. How to do it for the female body. Yes. So a lot of things that they teach for fasting um, for the male body are like not eating any food and it's either eating within a certain window or essentially like, oh, I'm just going to skip breakfast and then I'll just eat lunch and dinner and that's fasting. If the female body is hungry or especially if you're not eating in the morning, your system will view that as lower calorie intake and shut things down and hold on to your nutrients more. So it's important if you're doing a window of food, if it's like a 16-8 or something like that, which is fine, it needs to be early enough in the day to make sure you're managing your blood sugar levels and everything else and supporting your hormones. And you need to get enough nutrient in for a full day in that eight hours. Right. Okay. So make sure that you have nutrients dense foods then yeah don't just use fasting as a way to cut calories because that does not benefit the female body right it does just cutting calories your system's going to get more nutrient depleted and then if you're getting the full nutrients in and you're just giving yourself a 16 hour fast window your digestive system gets to rest and repair differently which is what actually is helpful for your metabolism overall that's secret it's a different mechanism in the body that we're working with that's pretty crazy the one thing I really want to know more, a little bit more about, if you know, is PMDD. Now, firstly, how prevalent is it and what is it? 
and how much can it really affect a woman? This is a really tough thing because PMDD, usually gals don't know about this until they're actually diagnosed. And it's a premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So it's like you almost go crazy, like legit go like, it's like, like the worst PMS ever. And you can't control it or get ahead of it. So then how does one manage it? And, and also like, I know that, so I know that a lot of women often get prescribed antidepressants, which, or they go on the pill, right? They're like the two kind of band-aid. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so if we can she's making a face she's making a face okay for those who don't know because it's a <laughs> i'm podcast. not just thinking this is a hilarious topic pyramid <laughs> oh. <Pyramidia> is hilarious <laughs> i'm like Awful. this is so funny so yeah i i mean i guess how how do we how do we manage it really then if that's the case Yeah, it's a whole different thing. So one of the things that I look at a lot, especially with PMDD is again, whole body function. How is your digestive system functioning? How well is your liver functioning? The number of women that have liver liver function issues and PMDD is really high because liver is in charge of processing 85% of all your hormones. So if your liver is struggling it's not going to process things through, which means there's going to be a buildup of that hormone, which then impacts your, 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 your mood and your, you know, your cycle in general, the pain that you have, the cramps, all that other stuff, all the things that make up PMDD. So we focus on, okay, is your gut working well? Is your, di- you know, your digestive system processing things through? Is your liver doing what it should? And then after that, we look at kidneys, kidneys filtering things out, as well as then the lymphatic system to flush things out because your lymph, like your heart pumps your blood through your body yeah, and your lymph is another fluid system in your body that people forget about, but there's no thing that pumps it. If you don't move your lymph, it doesn't move. And excess hormone can get built up in your lymph and cause all these problems. So we talk about dry brushing, Epsom salt baths, doing lymph drainage to flush all this crap out so your system can actually get rid of the excess and maintain the right level for you and then you're not going to have, right? Because the, the symptoms of it are from the hormonal imbalance. We have to work with more systems of the body to make sure everything is flushed out. Okay. It's a bigger job to do. Yeah. So I guess when you said liver, like obviously the first thing that hit alcohol. me was alcohol. So then would that be impacting that time? It can. Yeah, it can. I mean, it, and it depends. Like there are some gals who... I'll send them for a liver panel or something and they'll have um, like non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Their liver enzymes will be elevated or like they'll have liver stuff pop up and they're like, I don't really drink. I don't, I don't, I might have a glass of wine once a month. Why is my liver like this? It's like, it just is, you know, it can be genetic. It can be other things, right? Like, again, that's the million dollar question of why is my liver pissed off? There's a ton of reasons it can be. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Work with what's there and get it working better and help it work better. Yeah. So for someone that has got PMDD, is is there like levels or is it the same across the board? It can be different. Again, PMDD is not as um, well studied as as like PCOS or anything like that. Not that PCOS is very well studied at all either. Yeah. But PMDD is even less so. And a lot of times women that go in to try and get help for something like PMDD, they're not listened to. They're not supported. 
you know, and they're sometimes embarrassed. Yeah. You know, what sort of exercise would you highly recommend, you know, certain times of the year where we're like, I don't know. I mean, how do you kind of go about this? How do, you, how do we how do we do it? How do we fix it? Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Very short, quick answer would be not over-exercising, doing some movement. You know, that's the biggest mistake women make is that they over-exercise, thinking that they can outrun their hormone problem. Wow. Don't stress your body out more because it's already stressed enough. So making sure you're working with your system there. I'd rather have women go for a 20-minute walk than try and run for two hours on a treadmill. Yeah. You know? And then enough protein. A lot of times gals are not get, eating enough protein to help support the detoxification process in the body. So if you're not getting enough protein, your body doesn't have enough base energy to have this hormone processing happen. Leafy greens and then hydrate minerals, all that stuff. Those are right. kind of some basic things. Yeah. Okay, cool. And with like being on the pill and stuff like that, because, uh, you know, I know people that have tried to get off the pill and then their P- PMDD just goes through the roof. Yeah. So it, if you're on a birth control for something like that, basically, again, it's shutting down the ovaries, causing them to hibernate. So all of the hormone that would naturally get released is muted. So yeah. while you're on a birth control, you can start opening up these detox pathways in your body, helping shuttle things out. That way, if you do come off of a pill, your whole body's like, oh, here we go. Superhighway is open. Whoosh. Uh, and that way yeah. you don't have this horrible repercussion after. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, my mind is completely blown today. Well, on that mind being blown note, that's that's the word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to listen to Dr. Beth Westy's podcast. She talks a lot about all these things in more detail. And you you've written an amazing book, which is which is a bestseller, The Twelve Week Female Fat Solution Challenge. The eat for your cycle, which mm-hmm. is the method that she has come up with. And, you know, if you really want to find a smart way of taking care of your weight loss and your nutrition, then, you know, go through someone like her because otherwise you're just doing all this work with and you're not getting, you're not doing you're not smart effective. work. Yeah, you're not, yeah. You're doing hard work, but you're not doing smart work. And they always say, work smarter, not harder. It's a thing. Yeah, I know. It's a thing. Yeah, it is It is a thing. But yeah, drbethwesty.com. You have a waiting list because so many people want to join the 12-week challenge. So put yourself on the waiting list. That's when you know someone's good when they have a fucking waiting list. But yeah, she's awesome. And she also gives you the free recipe book. Yeah, feel free to get in touch with her and uh, listen to her podcast. The Female Health yeah. Solution. Yep. And on that note, thank you. Yeah, and have you. a lovely weekend. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.